Hello everybody, it's me Roscoe and welcome to another Kings of Anglia podcast special and today is a big one ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined by none other than a town legend, a former manager, hat-trick hero, icon, the magic, Jim Gilton, my friend, it's been a pleasure, it's great to have you on, how are you? Very well, thank you, that's the greatest intro I've ever had, I think, in my football life, so lovely. Yeah, I'm going well. Enjoying back on the pitch again with Cliftonville. Uh, big challenge for us and for the club, but relishing every moment of it. Uh, and looking forward to the challenges that's going to present itself through the course of this season for us. Yeah, definitely, my friend. It was it was great to um, to see you back in the dugout, and you know when that got announced it in June. Um, and is it right you're now the first full time manager at Cliftonville? I am indeed, yeah. It was it was kind of like back and forth and there was a lot of discussions and uh, a lot of chats. And at first I didn't, I wasn't sure. Uh, but after a second round of interviews, I had a really good conversation with the board and we decided, right, we'll have a crack at this. And, uh, and I've loved it. I have to say the players have been terrific. Unbelievable application, uh, unbelievable attitude and you know, we're going well at the minute. We've got a big game on Saturday against Glentorn at home. And obviously coming into this busy Christmas period, uh, it's important that we try and pick up as many points as we can. Yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, what's that been like, though, being back on like, the training pitch and, you know, around the, the you know, just in the dressing room? Um, I'm sure, yeah, when defeats happen, you know, I'm sure you're not happy, but it, it's part and parcel of it, isn't it? Oh, it is. Listen, I tell me a manager that's happy with defeat, and actually, I lose a manager. <laughs> so it's it's listen. It is. It's part and parcel of the game. You have to accept it. You can't get, get too carried away with it. Um, you can't get too carried away with winning. Albeit, I know we'll speak about Kieran. We can all take that and accept that at the minute. You know that how well they're doing. They're doing so. Yeah. No. Listen, it's an even keel and emotions. Trying to keep emotions in check, but. Fantastic to be back on the pitch. Fantastic working with a great group of players and staff alike. So, yeah, things at the moment have gone well for us. Um, we're a little bit disappointed we haven't gone deeper in the cup competitions, but certainly our league position and our league performances have been fantastic. Yeah, and I think there's um, I think now a former town player is a currently is it Linfield David Healy, um, is um there is he is he been someone you've gone up, come up against so far. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a a, a long time friend. Uh, he and I, uh, he was just starting his international career while I was just finishing mine. I've known him a lifetime. He's been a he was an absolutely fantastic player for Northern Ireland. Uh, but he's also a good friend of mine. I've helped him along in terms of his coach education. But he's been so successful as a manager in his first job here. I think he's won five titles out of six or seven so he's he's had unbelievable success and uh and he's a fantastic guy off the park you know on it when we're on the touchline we both want to win uh but away from it where i would say he and i are good friends that's good to hear that's good to hear well um well jim let's rewind then and let's uh talk about your town career as a whole and uh you know, what a journey it was. And um, it was a, a loan originally, though, back in, in 99. Um, how did that move come about? What's, what's your memories of, of that? I'm going to show you um, you holding an Itchers Town scarf here, <laughs> young Jim Magilton. Um, if you're listening on audio, go, go and watch the video. But it's uh, Jim holding the scarf, Itchers Town. Uh, yeah, Jim, take us back to, to this moment. 
Yeah, I, I, I was struggling to get into Sheffield Wednesday's first team at the time. And I, I kind of I was traveling the length and breadth of the country and not enjoying it. And I remember going to Danny Wilson, the manager at Sheffield Wednesday, and just said that I, I wanted to play. I wanted to get out alone. He totally understood my situation. And I think it was literally a day or two days after that that I got a phone call to say if I'd be interested in going to Ipswich Town. And of course, being a football historian as I am, I knew everything about Ipswich Town, well, a lot about it. Uh, I knew about the great teams uh, of the past. I knew of, obviously, um, Sir Alf's time, Sir Bobby's time, and George's time, because George had created and tried to put together a fantastic group of players who had unluckily just missed out on playoffs. So I knew I was coming into a very competitive squad. I knew that they'd be competing at the top end of the championship. So I just thought it ticked all the boxes for me. And I think it was the very second I walked into the football club, I knew I made the right decision. And the second I you know, stepped onto the park, I played, we went the Sunderland away. And I just thought like I had Dyer, I had Matty, I had, I had uh, Mark Venus, uh, Fabian, you know, I just realised, listen, this is a group of players that can play and we can just manage to get a little bit of luck and maybe get over the line. David Johnson, James Schoolcroft, you know, I just knew that they were a good bunch and I just felt that we'd be ultra competitive. Yeah, because I think it was, you know, two seasons before you signed, we we missed out on the playoffs. Obviously, that season when you did sign, we missed out on the playoffs as well. And, you know, it was just a heartbreak. It was the, the away goal rule that was there back in the day, which is just frustrating. I've uh, got another picture here with you and George. Um, I think this must be a press conference, George, there in, in his suit. You there talking to the press at the time. Um, what was your relationship with George in, in those early days? You know, um, he's the man who signed you and, you know, he's, of course, a former town player. You know, he won the FA Cup with, the, with us, the UEFA Cup as well. And, you know, coming back as a manager and, of course, you have you joined him in terms of that being a former player becoming manager. But, yeah, what, what was George like with you, with relationship-wise? I think he still got that tie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I had the utmost respect for George. I really enjoyed my time working with him. He was... Uh, he was he, he reminded me a lot of another great manager I'd worked on there and Billy Bingham at international level. They like to keep things very much very simple. They handed responsibility over to players, which is exactly fit up my sort of personality and profile. Uh, and he and he give you the free here's a platform, go and play, go and express yourself. And he did that with us as individuals and then collectively as a team. We had a, a certain identity of how he wanted the team to play, which was a possession, passing-based game. Uh, but with a threat, you know, we, we played with a threat. We always played with a threat of pace and with power. And uh, and we carried a goal threat, all, albeit uh, with a def- defensive mindset. When we didn't have the ball, we all became defenders. When we had the ball, everybody came alive and wanted, to, and wanted the ball, which was an important aspect because... Sometimes in games you can have a look and, you know, some players tend to try and hide. But in that team, there were no hiding places because there was a lot of personalities and characters. So, no, a fantastic time working with him. Really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought he did a terrific job with the club. He also tried to bring young players through and brought them in at the right time and then, you know, and, and got them involved with the first team. And then again, gave them and uh, that, them players an opportunity to come and play as well. 
Yeah, yeah, so many young players who came through and definitely you, you name-checked a few already. Um, who sort of helped you settle then in those early days coming into the club? You know, a lone player as well. That's always that's always interesting. Um, obviously, yeah. you became a permanent player, not, not you know, I think it was like in March, so two months later. But yeah, which players sort of helped you settle? The whole collective team, you know, I was in an overtail. I was right bang in the middle of things. I don't think George realised that was <laughs> red rag to a bowl. But no, uh, David Williams was fantastic. The the physio as well. Uh, no, and listen, my focus, you know, I, I love to train and I love training. And once I get into the, the building, there were so many characters in, in the club as well. And initially, there's a a settling in period but it, I have to be honest it didn't take me long to settle the Adam Tanners and people like that because of again their personalities and their characters uh it was an easy one so I wasn't the shyest of lads uh as you can imagine and uh and immediately hit the ground running so uh I think it was a collective effort and again I was quick to pick up on certain personalities and certain characters in the changing room and I knew who uh, would be my cup of tea as such and and others who go their merry way so uh, I think there was a nice blend of personalities in the changing room at the time too yeah definitely I said the local ads as well and obviously um, you then signed permanently you know not long after uh, was that something you know as you said the first game you played you felt like you're home here and is that straight away was that talks like straight away like let's try to get this you know overline permanent yeah, and it was there was again there was a bit of talk about reluctance on my part. There was there was no reluctance. The only reluctance was making sure that everything was done properly with Sheffield Wednesday, everything was done properly at Ipswich, uh, and making sure that the move was going to be something that I I wanted to play in the Premier League. I'd spent such a long time at, with Southampton in the Premier League. It didn't work out for me for at Sheffield Wednesday. This, my ambitions met the club's ambitions. You know, David Sheepshanks and George were adamant the club were going places. Uh, and uh, and that was significant. That was really important for me to hear it from a chairman, to hear it from a manager, to, to actually feel it in the town itself and, and know that there was a collective effort here. I was desperate to play in the Premier League and the club matched my ambitions as well. I was desperate to get back into it as quickly as I could. Yeah. And obviously, you lived um, in Ipswich for literally ten years. What what was that like living in, in you know Suffolk? A lot a lot of players they they just stay here, don't they? You know when they sign, they just stay here. Uh, but what was that like just living in the town and everything like that? Loved it. My boys loved Ipswich. We still talk. My boys still talk so uh, so lovingly about it. And we had a fantastic time. Worky was around our house. Around my boys, eight plays Worky as well as the millions of others so uh Worgie would be a visitor and we just we we loved how close everything was we loved the community feel we just loved the fact that everything was so close the schools were close the training ground was close you know so we just threw ourselves headlong into it and um and all we can ha- all all you really want is to give your kids and you know that upbringing of happiness and stability and that's what we did. We provided that for them. They were constant visitors to the training ground. They were constant visitors to the games. They never missed a game. They actually ran out with me a few times uh, unnoticed. Uh, and we managed to get on the pitch uh, quite often. So, listen, it was a fantastic time for family. It was a fantastic time for all our family. And um, there were a lot of visitors come 
and a lot of visitors came to Portman Road and enjoyed the spectacles. Yeah, indeed. Yes, yeah, it's just a family club. And what was that? What's those early memories of that season? You know, obviously, as I said, we, we, we missed out on the playoffs. You know, Bolton, uh, we lost one 0 at the Reebok, and then we of course won four three at home. But um, because of the the away rule and all that stuff, um, we lost in the end. Um, got a nice picture of you just celebrating. This is during this season. Um, you scored a few goals. Uh, nice, nice kissing one. Maybe kissing to the family. Maybe you know because you scored. Yeah, boys, boys would have been going ballistic then. Do you know what? The feeling of that was, uh, we blew. That was the feeling. There was a, a lot of uh, sad faces at the end. There was a, a lot of what ifs. We blew it. I remember crew at home and we lost. I think we lost the game. And that was kind of way there was a resignation that maybe we're going back into the playoff scenario. And it, it probably intimidated intimidated one or two. Me being an officer in that department, it certainly didn't intimidate me, but I just felt an overwhelming uh, feeling of regret and uh, and one that got away, you know, because I think we were the second, you know, in the top two and definitely in the top two for that season. And then we were in the lottery of the playoff and unfortunately uh, missed out. Yeah, I'm just looking out of the table. One point. Missed out by one point. Bradford City finished second. So that's just, that is, any, for any team, it's heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, and obviously, uh, Kieran Dyer, of course, left after after that season. Um, what was Kieran like? You know, issues boy, loves the club. You know, what a player as well. Of course, goes on to play for England, Newcastle and all that. Magnificent he was. Absolutely magnificent. He was, he and Matty, you know, if I could have picked a perfect parent, in terms of their athleticism, their legs, their ability, uh, they, you know, everybody kind of way fitted into that lovely little jigsaw. And uh, Matty's energy, his professionalism, his leadership, it kind of way allowed against, you know, my sort of maverick sort of style too. But without runners, I wouldn't have had the opportunities to get on the ball and play. And those two afforded me space because they were so athletic uh, and, and brilliant players. You know, Kieran Starr was on the rise majorly. You know, was a, he attracted so much interest, uh, understandably. Uh, but he was a, an absolutely terrific player. And uh, and I was just reading stuff about him. I'm, I'm hoping he's well. Uh, I got a bit upset the other week when I heard one or two little bits about him. But... I heard him, I think he was on TalkSport today and he was bright and breezy and, you know, wish him well. Um, I love playing with him. I just love playing with both of them. And obviously, Matty and I forged uh, a stronger relationship as Kieran left the building. But, uh, yeah, they were a terrific parent and, and Kieran Dyer was an outstanding player. Yeah. And let, let's talk about Matty Holland quickly then. I've, I've spoken to him many times for, for this podcast and, uh, you know, Captain Fantastic and all that. Played all those games consecutively. He just played, played, played and played. But yeah, you and Matt in that midfield was fantastic. Yeah, Matt, Matt had a horrendous job on his hands because he had to walk into that changing room and deal with the, the egos and the characters and the personalities. But it just sums up Matty as a character and a, and a man, basically. You know, he, he had this lovely, decent human being feel, which gave him... He, he, he was very emotionally attached to the group, but could feel the different personalities in the group. I keep using that term, but it was because there was a lot of strong characters in there. Uh, and he dealt with it in his own 
way. He wasn't swayed by anyone. He was a very strong, disciplined footballer person. Um, he had great strength of character. Um, he, need, he needed to be a strong character, as I say, in the change room because, listen, you know, you have to have a relationship with the players, but you also have to have a relationship with a manager. And I thought he handled that brilliantly well. I don't think there was a, a greater appreciation of that uh, until he left because you realise, you know, that responsibility, um, you can't take that lightly. So he did, I thought he did a terrific job. I thought he was an absolutely terrific player. And it was one of the great pleasures of my football career to to, to play with him. And um, obviously, Jim, four seasons um, trying to get out of this division. Um, you know, you know, four seasons trying to get into the playoffs. Obviously, that season. Um, what's your memories of that that season as a whole? You know, many ups and downs once again. Yeah, got off to an unbelievable start, flying start, winning I think six on the trot or seven on the trot. And then, for whatever reasons, we, we kind of hit a brick wall again and destiny wasn't in our hands again. And we kind of let that slip. And again, a feeling of deep regret and a feeling of, you know, is this going to happen again? But but there was a different resilience. I could feel even we went to Charlton away. I think it was second last. They'd been promoted. And there was a there was just a steeliness, a, a greater steeliness in the group that we weren't going to allow. We weren't going to allow the season just to peter away. I could just get a sense of that. And you know we were ready. And then I think we played was Walsall at home or in the last game, and there was a feeling we were going up. We didn't go up, and but then we had to we had to get take stock. And again, the characters and the and the and the people in the change room. Obviously, Marcus came in. John McGreal was there. Bugger was in the team again. Dino was there. You know, uh, Jermaine Mike was in the group. So there was there was a different feel. People who had maybe not been used to that. I had one season of it. And I certainly wasn't going to feel that pain again. So there was that sort of, you know, feeling going into uh, ultimately, ironically, Bolton again. Yeah, Bolton, Bolton, Bolton. My nemesis in the, in the playoffs in, in the year before, as we as you as we mentioned. Um, then, of course, Marcus Stewart, as you mentioned. You know what what a man Marcus is. Uh, let's talk about him quickly. And you know he he signs, scores on his debuts, goes and scores a few more. And of course, Bolton away, he scores two absolutely weldies. Yeah, it, it, again, what stood out that season was individuals within our team structure. And as I said, yeah, and alluded to at the start, it was a, you, that was that was kind of way accepted that one or we had individuals that can win the games, and just through that period, especially coming towards the playoffs, we had certain individuals that did great things, and uh, and when you look back at Stewie's two goals, they're off the scale in terms of technique, off the scale in terms of you know there there's a a real knowledge of where he is on the pitch, which he always had, especially in the around the box. Timing, the volley's magnificent technique. It's a great setup for Matty. He lets it come over his shoulder. He hits it. You know, Yaskalainen's clawing for it. And goal gets us back in, belief, because they had started so quickly. And then the second half, you know, we were banging the game. We were ready for it. We were very good. We played on the counter-attack and then when you look at the goal, it's calm, personified, he knows exactly where he is, 
goes around the keeper, sits him down, and then has this calmness. You know, he he doesn't panic. He say, you know, he he takes so it into the into the corner, and then there's you know jubilation. But there was a real thought of that we're 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 not going to lie down here. You know, there was a, a sense of you know they were going to try and bully us and they were going to be physical with us. And listen, we scored. He scored two great goals, and uh, and it's obviously it's set it up for the replay. You know, again, those there there are a series of coincidence and series of events that lead you to believe that it could be your time. You know, Good Johnson was injured, who was a magnificent player. He failed the fitness test. Tony passed one. Jono passed one. You know, we had a full complement of players. Brownie came in again, done a fantastic job. And the whole occasion, I remember I remember waking up that that afternoon. And I and normally obviously I, I went to bed. I was but I, I slept soundly. There was nothing. I was just so calm and so relaxed and so ready for the game and prepared to do whatever it took to, to win the game. You know, I had this sense of calmness and, and prep, you know, we were so well prepared. Georgia prepared the team well. There was an inner belief that this was going to be our year to get the Wembley. And that's how I, I, that was the sense I got from the changing room. And then obviously the events that unfolded. You know, I I scored a couple of braces in my career, but to score a hat trick in such an important game was huge. But I I actually blame Mugga. I should have scored five that night. And I should have put a hat trick of penalties. I changed my in the second one, <laughs> and I should have hit Jamie's, who was brilliant, and that would have given me five, I, I three, and yeah, and I'd have taken the other two as well. So it mightn't have gone to the the last seconds and the last throws of the dice, but. Lone Bowl that did and and the rest is history. So uh and once we got into obviously Bolton lost their discipline and we managed to capitalize and we're all going to Wembley. <laughs> yeah, it was just an incredible night at Porn Road and you know under lights is always special, isn't it? And yeah, that is your night. Everyone talks about the Jim Magilton night. Um, obviously you're, you know, blushing right now, but you know, it was just, uh, just one a performance of a lifetime from you and, um, yeah, score, score a hat trick. Obviously, yeah, Bolton had a few red cards as, you know, many penalties. Um, of course, Martin Royce, of course, scores the, the fifth goal to, to finally, you know, just end the game. I'm going to show a picture here. You, you celebrating his Gary Croft and Matty Holland. Um, yeah. What, which, which one of goals is your favorite? Cause there's, you know, Two of the goals are just unbelievable. Yeah, I'm always embarrassed by that picture, I have to say. I'm embarrassed. I, I thought, Jim, you could have celebrated and a, a touch better than that. Every time I replay it, replay it, do something different. But no, uh, I think I think the one just after half time, because I'd missed the penalty, I remember going into the bat into the toilets and and praying and saying, Do not let this, please, do not let this be the one where we lose and I've missed the penalty. So I was really determined. And then the the goal, the second goal, you know, I just felt the second goal was so important. And then Alan Johnson was an Alan Johnson went up a minute later and then cracks one from about 25 yards into the top corner. And you're going, oh no, oh no, here we go again. So uh, the second one, and I know the importance of the third one, but certainly the second one for me was the most enjoyable one. Yeah, and of course, um, you know, 
you had scored in the 90th minute to go to, to extra time. And uh, of course, yeah, Jamie scores from the penalty spot. And then, yeah, as we mentioned, Martin Royce made it 5-3. What, what's your memories of that scenes on the, the pitch, the, the fans running on? Yeah, there, there were, we, we kind of looked at it. Someone got a, someone actually got a, a picture. There were, there were, the video was still on. And I actually sprinted off the pitch. And, and, and Mickey Stockwell was laughing. He couldn't believe it. He, he said, I've never seen you move so quick. So I kind of sprinted off and left left all the madness out in the pitch. I remember being greeted by John and a few of the other injured lads and, and a few of the rest of the group. And obviously it was chaos. It was pure chaos. I remember then having to do interviews and whatever else and uh, checking my body. I was just I thought, right away I was thinking of Wembley. Am I okay here, you know, please? Obviously, the, the sadness around Scoey missing out with the hamstring. And I was kind of like checking myself and then went up to the players' lounge with the ball, saturated in sweat. And then, you know, again, the madness broke out and friends, family, everyone's there, players are there. And we're just going ballistic. You know, let's be honest, you, moments like that, you have to remember, you have to cherish. I remember walking in and one, when it was the heat and then the noise and... And then the the next morning, I tell this I've told this story. The next morning, I had to go into Portman Road because I I took in a knock, and it was a an ankle or whatever it was. I couldn't, listen, I, I was still walking on air, so it didn't really matter. It could have been anything. My leg could have been hanging off. So anyway, parked up, and the crowds, it was like they were queuing up for tickets. And the reality of the situation is, oh my goodness, we're going to Wembley. And as I walked out, there was a there was a slow, you know, clap, and then it got louder and louder, and so that was you no, know, that was just a lovely moment. You know, there was an appreciation from uh, supporters, but more so an appreciation from me, and you know, uh, and and it was a lot of thank yous. There was a lot of you know back slapping, but right away, you know, there was this. Again, steely determination to go to Wembley and win. And that was the focus. You know, nothing changed for us. George didn't make any real changes to our program, our schedule, you know, and the travel down. Everything was focused on winning. And even even on the day of the game, nobody really fancied us. And that upset me. That really got on the game. And I remember speaking to Brian Klug and Paul Goddard, who were in the hotel. And I was having a stretch in the gym and there, and I never really did that prior. But I had to turn the TV off. I was like not happy with the comments and commentators and you know, all oh, the, the they're not gonna do this, or they're not gonna oh really? Oh really, we're not gonna do this. Uh, well we'll soon sort this out. So um and in the end, obviously, Wembley happened, Barnsley were brilliant. When you look back, Barnsley played such a you know a fantastic part in a great final. Uh, we rolled our luck at times and we managed to get over the line with, you know, a really inspired, you know, John going off, Richard Naylor coming on. When you look at Richard Naylor's performance in the final, off off the Richter scale, you know, how he played, the manner in which he played. And I know the infamous, you know, Reuser Premiership, Martin had this incredible quality, unbelievable technical ability when he went through. There was never any doubt. Shuey scored. But Richard Naylor's performance in the final was just a, 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 an unbelievable performance. 
Yeah, another player, of course, came through the youth ranks as well, was with the club for a very long time. Uh, quickly, before we talk about the game and, of course, the celebrations afterwards, um, you mentioned the match ball. Do you still have that? Or is that something that's lost maybe away now from that from that night? I thought, that, yeah, we, we still have it. My father uh, uh, didn't let it out of his sight. My dad passed away, but uh, it's, it's still there. We still have it. Uh, I don't often see it. To be honest with you, so now that you've brought it up, I'm going to have to. I think probably brother-in-law uh, probably has it somewhere. And now that you've mentioned it, he'd be devastated because I'll have to go look for it. Yes, <laughs> sorry, brother-in-law, sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, but nah, yeah, I'm sure that's once again a treasure you'll you'll remember because yeah, you know, hat trick ball and all that. Um, but then Wembley, yeah, Jim, as you said, Barnsley did give us a game, and that was a roller coaster of emotions once again. You know. Penalties, saves, penalties, you know, goals going in. Uh, Tony Mowbray, Mogger, final game. R- rise like a salmon with a goal. You know, what, what a man he is. Yeah, what a man he is. And again, desperately sorry that he's lost his job. Uh, I think it's a really poor decision. Did a fantastic job with Sunderland. Uh, but I know he bounced back. Nobody loves the game more than he does. He's a great passion for the game and obviously a great passion for this football club. Yeah, if you're going to write a script, that's the way you finish your playing days at Wembley winning, playing in the manner in which he played. He was a terrific leader, character, you know, unbelievable tenacity, uh, commitment to the cause, togetherness, bringing the group together. You know, he was a, uh, he was a great playing companion, I have to say. Loved he tortured me. He never shut up. He was in my ears constantly. We used to have battle royals. Uh, but I appreciated the manner in which he he taught me so much about the game. Uh, even as a 29, 30-year-old international footballer, I learned so much. Uh, how to control the flow of a game. How to position myself. You know, and the, and the art of communication, which is long gone in this game. He played the game for you, even though he's told to shut up once or twice. Uh, but his art, his communication style and skills were second to none. He's, he's up there with the very best I've played with. So, uh, yeah. that, that contrast and walking out there and the atmosphere and the noise and Wembley, I've been a few times with Liverpool as a boy, uh, but never that sense of uh you know the uh, responsibility and uh to be there and to be there with family and to be there with the Ipswich Town community if you like was just magnificent honestly magnificent and it's a one in a lifetime day that you cherish for the rest of your days yeah you know the build-up for that and you know I've got a picture here you on the pitch in your suit can you remember this Taking my tongue out, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I'm very handsome in that. I must admit, I'm a handsome. I was very mm-hmm. handsome. <laughs> yeah, I do remember, I remember the big flower. George insisted we were. I don't know what that is, but George is in the background there. Yeah, no. Listen, I love the fact that we dressed up. I love the fact there was, you know, flower in the in the in the collar and all the rest. I just loved it. I, I as I say, I used to. I never missed an FA Cup final. From the age of, I think, 1975, Fulham played West Ham, but the great Bobby Moore, West Ham beat them, Fulham. Uh, and I watched them, I, I lived for the FA Cup final. So they actually go and play 
in a major final, a championship final at Wembley, and then when going up the steps was just a, a, it was a, a dream come true for me. Yeah, because obviously that was the last. Um, I think there was a few other games after that, the old Wembley, but obviously that was the last. I think competitive like final there. Um, so that's another sort of honour to have as well. And as you said, here's a picture. You know, on that steps, Matty hold, holding it. You know, the trophy. You there with a few other players. Um, yeah, that must have been a, just a great moment, just to go. Yeah, we finally did it as well. Euphoria, and and when you see that, right, you you look at the people behind the shot, Matty. You see the chairman. You see his family. You see John Kerr. People who are no longer with us. You know, it's just an unbelievable shot. I always look behind that because not only are you. It's so emotional for you, but it was so emotional for everybody connected with the club. And it's sheer joy. It's just joy. You can't, only sport and football, I think, can bring this. So uh, it was an incredible moment, I have to be honest. It was a, it was a, as I say, it was a, it was a once in a lifetime. Yeah, definitely. And I, I want to show you this picture. I really love, love this picture um, of you celebrating. There's Venus, Mark Venus, and of course, Mugger there, just out of focus. But um, that is the full-time whistle. And, yeah, you guys are going to be heading to the Premier League. Yeah, that that was – I remember seeing that. And that that was so emotional for me, I have to be honest. Sharing the park with them two guys who I had so much respect for. The sheer elation. Uh, all, like, it was just everything. Everything that I'd hoped it to be, it was. And to live it out with these guys was just another – you know, it was a special moment. And then I remember, I remember immediately looking, I seen Chris Morgan on the deck, uh, completely devastated. And Chris Morgan came to Northern Ireland to do all his coaching badges. And we'd spoken about that. But I remember going over to Chris Morgan, who again, another player I had the utmost respect for. And I, and I just picked him up. And he was brilliant, so gracious. And the one thing I would say, that summed, summed him up. And some Barnsley up. To Larchison, because there were other players that who I knew very well. Barnsley played an unbelievable part in the game. In another day, they could have easily have won it. If you know, it was destiny for us. I believe our name was written in the stars for that to happen. But you always remember, you know, people. You always remember moments, and I remember that too as part of that. That was just again, sport brings this to the fore, and it was uh, whilst I was absolutely euphoric he was devastated so yeah lovely memories brilliant photographs and a day to cherish yeah that yeah to, to go to, to any final and lose it's just heartbreaking and obviously we had the heartbreak of losing the semi-final so we never actually had to to worry about getting to the final in the end but um finally we did get to the final and we we win it so that's good because that would have been horrible to say yeah players like matty holland who has been part of that team who has been part of those playoff semi-final heartbreaks, but there to go to fo- the final and win it one just once, and then you know Premier League. Here we go. Got a few more pictures of the the celebrations of the open top bus and Cornhill. That's always great memories. Um, got a picture of you and Matty here with the trophy on the open top bus there. Um, Matty Holland with his curtains back then as well, the haircuts and the the, the fashion as well. Cheekbones. He always had them cheekbones. He was too good looking. Bart yeah. for a footballer. <laughs> And um, again, I nearly missed the bus, believe it or not. My family were, and McKenna, we got late, and we were still celebrating. And 
I had to take my way through. The police were trying to close off here, there and everywhere. I managed to get there. I got a few uh, angry looks from the boss and from one or two others. Where is he? What's keeping him? Blah, blah, blah. And I managed to get on. But again, listen, sharing it with that group was enormous for us because we've come through so much. But again, the general public, Ipswich never failed to disappoint in the right in their thousands again. So it was a one it was a again a wonderful climax to what was an unbelievable season for us. Yeah. And there's a sea of blue you here with the trophy, never never suit you're wearing, big smile on your face. I've also yeah. got this one as well, this picture here. Um and you're in the middle of a speech here. Um what do you reckon you were saying here? Giving the chairman a bit of stick because he kept saying we are Premier League. And he kept going, aye, and he couldn't help himself. So I was giving them a bit of stick, and the lads loved it. So, uh, and that's what, I'm not sure where David is at this stage, but Terry Baxter was loving it. And me being me, uh, very shy and retiring, I kind of like grabbed the make off him and wanted to have a bit of a laugh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. And um, actually, you can see behind you is um, obviously you've got Dow Roberts, who, um, of course, was George Burley's number two. Um, obviously, any manager needs a good number two. Um, quick little mention of Dale, of course, sadly not long, no longer with us. But yeah, what a man! Perfect partner. He was the perfect partner to George, and obviously they'd grown up through the club together. He was a buffer for everybody. Great, unbelievable sense of humour. Loved to give me dogs abuse, especially on way days. Used to get on the scale one at a time with Jilton, right? Oh, George, he's two pound overweight, George. He's but he had a really brilliant, he had it with Dale and, and his character again, he had an individual relationship with everyone. Now, when he was talking to Cook, he would look at, <laughs> but I, I used to catch his eye all the time in changing rooms and uh, and we'd have a laugh. There was a, a sentence that we could relate to and we used to hear people's banter and we just used to look at one another, but he and I loved the banter, loved, loved the crack. Uh, but he was fantastic. George, with all due respect to everybody else that came in, who were brilliant people, he couldn't replace them, and he was irreplaceable, and he was sadly missed, and is sadly still sad, sadly missed. Yeah, he is definitely, and yeah, I've, I've I've spoke to all the other players who, of course, had him, and you know they they speak of him very highly. So um, yeah, um, yeah, and then obviously Premier League, then Jim, and uh, what a season it was. Although. Should have got to the Champions League, but we didn't. Um, but yeah, memories of that season. Just got a picture of you in action against Arsenal. Of course, you played in the Premier League before. Yeah. But, um, you know, this time you're now with a team who just got promoted. And I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of people, like pundits, would have probably written us off. But we did the unthinkable and we, we beat teams and got yeah. so, so many great results. So many great results. And, you know, off camera, we were talking about momentum and how the momentum with this current of thing group is allowing them to go and do what they're doing at the moment so when you have that and when you have the confidence I, technically it never worried me uh, we had technically very good players physically was going to be an issue in terms of a comparison between championship and premier league having played in it i could i could sense you know i knew exactly the levels we had to raise to as i said i didn't think it was going to be a, a problem with the ball it was without the ball and dealing with the physical physical capacity, the athleticism with the top team, all the teams in the in the Premier League. So we managed to handle that particularly well. 
We made really shrewd signings, and uh, which enabled us to, to be better. Uh, but momentum, there was a belief. Uh, and once you get that, confidence grows. You're scoring at the right times. We could retain the ball. We knew when to hurt the opposition. There was a lot of preparation, although George didn't really change too much of his style in terms of his prep. He, he told us what we needed to know. He told us to watch out for, obviously, certain strengths in the opposition, exploit their weaknesses, and it worked a treat. To go through the season in the manner in which we played was just, again, an incredible an incredible example to any team you know, that, that come up to that, you know, that you can do that. You, you know, you, Burnley are struggling at the minute. He's not going to change his principles. That's for definite. But certainly we didn't change ours. And I don't think an awful lot has been spoken about that. It's just came in terms of how they went into that season and the way they approached the season and the manner in which they did that. And uh, we, we, we were so good at times and so confident at times and uh, knew our limitations. But, listen, we got where we got to on merit and thoroughly deserved it. Yeah, and of course, Marcus was scoring the goals. Um, what a season he had. So still can't believe he didn't get that England cap. I think that's still one of those big yeah. talking points. Um, obviously, you go and play against some of your former teams as well. Um, Liverpool at Anfield, Marcus scoring the, the winner yeah. there. Uh, and also score the hat-trick against Southampton as well, which was live on TV. You know, a 3-0 win there. You know, you featured in, in those games. What was the sort of, what's the memories of playing against them and Marcus scoring the goals? Unbelievable. Fury was an incredible footballer. Uh, he had this movement. He was never lightning quick, but he had his brain work quicker uh, than most others knew when to stand still which is an important art knew when to move had a couple of double movements that worked throughout his whole career uh was so clever in the box watch defenders watch the ball and then move and he was so clinical in front of goal he had this wonderful neck with his head with his he knew where hard to finish he didn't blast everything he knew uh his awareness the self-awareness of space of where he was uh, in and around the box was second to none. It's top over the very best, in my opinion, and uh, and he deserved all all the accolades. He should have got an England cap. I still to this day, I not don't understand why he was the best striker in the league. You only had to talk to other defenders. I, I remember Frank Leboeuf was mentioned him on several occasions throughout that season. Other players uh, mentioned him in glowing terms. So. Listen, it's one of those things he, he missed out, unfortunately. But the whole group grew as the season went on. People grew in stature and confidence. And um, and it was just a fantastic time at the football club. Supporters, you know, you couldn't get a ticket. The place was rammed. It was bouncing. And we fed off that excitement. And again, even the Manchester United game, I remember Sir Alex had commented on the crowd. Uh, and that was the second game in where we drew 1-1. And we're brilliant on the night, fantastic on the night. And really, that was a real wake-up call for us all. Because, it again, for a lot of lads who haven't played in that league, they were playing against a calibre player that had only watched. And to play up against them and get that feeling, have the confidence to go up against them, uh, was was fantastic for everybody's confidence. 
Yeah, I remember speaking to uh, Fabian in the summer about him, you know, he scored on that goal against Man United and just, yeah, Portland Road was just bouncing like, every week. It was just, yeah, just some great results. And uh, yeah, finishing fifth in the end. Um, one player I want to mention, actually, one of the summer signings um, of that, that that season, of course, Herman Neroderson, the, the big Icelandic defender. Yeah, what a character. What a lunatic. Yeah. What a, an utter lunatic. And he's another guy that came over to finish his coach education badges, his pro-licensed coach for the FA. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time again with him when he was over doing that. He was an unbelievable addition to the group because he had this fantastic... I keep going referring to personalities, but he, he, he fitted in so well because of his outgoing personality, his outgoing love of life more than anything, but he lifted the spirits when we needed lifted. He was a terrific player. You know, I think he had 90 caps, maybe, maybe for Iceland, whatever it was. But he was, he, he soon bonded with the crowd. The crowd loved him. And he responded in performances and his level of performance were great. Yeah. And um, of course, the, the team was very much, you know, you know, British or, um, you know, you know, a few players from Ireland, Northern Irish, you know, Irish yourself. And obviously then we brought in some foreign players, um, which was the next season where we brought in Fanidi and Shirini as well, the, the goalie. Uh, obviously that season wasn't as good as the first season. How how'd you look back at that season? You know, I've spoken to George and he said there could be a little bit of regret maybe with, with those signings because you guys had su- such a bond there. You, yeah. you guys used to go out, you know, for, you know, food, drinks, whatever, families as well. And then you bring in a few new players who maybe don't want to be part of that. And th- those lads were great lads. Do you know, they were great mm-hmm. trainers, wanted to work very hard, wanted to do well, wanted the club to do well. I think if George is... Suggest you know if he's talking about regret, then I get that I, because there was a lovely balance, and what I thought George had done fantastically well. He integrated new signings very carefully and strategically. I think then, you know, we we had done so well first year, second year, you know, there was high expectations. You know, really, the reality of an Ipswich town, with all due respect, second year was that good coaches, good managers find you out to a large extent. So, you know, and, and you have to compliment them on that. Uh, we, to stay in the league was the most important thing to do. You know, I remember we had conversations pre-season about, well, we can go, no, you stay in the league. That's what you do. We have to stay in the league. We have to stay in the league for the next three, four, five years before we can start talking about whatever the next step is. So I just thought there was a little bit of, don't get too carried away with yourselves here because this is an unforgiving league. And they'll find you out and they'll find us out and we have to have the answers and we have to have a, you know, different ways of playing. And uh, So it wasn't really the integration of players. That was fine. It was just... We, we got lost a little bit, lost our identity a little bit. And as I say, in this league, it's unforgiving. We, we went through this spell of, you know, we were we looked secure. And then confidence took a, net, a knock. I think we got beat badly, Southampton at home. And that was kind of way the catalyst for everything that followed and the wheels came off. But, uh, yeah, I just thought we lost our way. And disappointingly, we went out after year one. And, and that was a huge disappointment because we worked so hard to... to to get into the Premier League. Yeah, and I've spoken to a lot of players during that era, and obviously you guys were playing Thursday, Sunday, 
you know in the early starts of that season because of you know Europe. Um, yeah. You of course were part of the team who who went to Moscow, won one there, and of course into Milan. You know, Anna Armstrong header. I don't think you played in the first leg, but you did play in the second leg at San Siro. Uh, I'm sure that must have been a, a great memory. I know we lost that game, unfortunately, but I think there was like eight, ten thousand town fans in the away end. But yeah, playing in Europe, you know, that I'm sure that was another goal on your list. Yeah, it was playing UEFA. I, I was in Northern Ireland and Iceland. I had, you know, I think it's 30, 40 caps at this stage, but I'd never played European club competition. So that was a tech. Brilliant, fantastic. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Sancier, I actually went to Sancier and that mentally thinking I was going to play because I'd been injured. Um, we trained the night before to San Siro and I was like a little boy, little kid. Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. Oh, love of life. Uh, without really thinking I was actually going to be playing. And then the next morning, George pulled me and said, listen, what's your thoughts and whatever? And we're thinking this and Tony was involved. And I went, right, okay, if you need me, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, we lost. <laughs> but, but Ronaldo, Renier, uh, Vieri, uh, Zanetti, oh, listen, it was just, again, pinch me moments. You know, families in the crowd, unbelievable support coming to watch their club playing at the San Siro. You know, that's boys' own stuff, you know, and it's fantastic. It was a great, great moment for everybody. And we're back for part two. It's still the same interview, but we're, it's day two. Different clothes for both me and Jim, but we're back. Uh, my friend, uh, we were talking about uh, relegation, unfortunately, last time. Um, what, how do you reflect on that? You know, a disappointing season in the end. And yeah, just we just couldn't stay up, could we? No. And obviously it wasn't for the want to try. And I think it just the reality of that situation hit home at Anfield. We lost quite badly in the end, that last game. And I was sitting in the stand watching it and watching everything unfold in front of my eyes. And it was so, it was more than disappointment. There was like, it was the end of an, an incredible journey for so many. And to end in that manner, after giving ourselves an unbelievable chance to stand up. Uh, and unfortunately, I couldn't contribute. I wasn't involved in, I think, the last nine or ten games. And I was unsure what was going to happen next for me, basically. Yeah, because um, I'm sure at the time, of course, the club was went through, of course, administration, you know, after that, unfortunately. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of futures up in the air. Of course, we go into that next season. Um, and of course, George, unfortunately, loses his job. You know, how do you look back at that? You know, of course, at a time, you know, yeah. decision was made. Yeah, his contribution to the club, from boy to man to player to manager. I mean, his 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 status can't be underestimated, nor can it ever be questioned. You know, he's he's left a fantastic he left a fantastic legacy at the football club, and he was a an outstanding member of a, an outstanding team that achieved so much under a fantastic manager, and then to take over the helm and to deliver uh, such. You know, an exciting brand of football, but also to achieve what he achieved with the club was, you know, uh, just wonderful. And I had a great relationship with him. Things at the end, you know, people talk about the end, but I totally understood at the end simply because, you know, the, the club, he probably felt that they were going in a different direction. I understood that. I had a year left in my contract. He said I could leave. And there was no 
direct animosity between George and I. There was just a healthy respect, and it still does to this day. It was great to see him at the, uh, at the reunion there. Loved catching up with him. Uh, you know, and, and when you have achieved so much with someone, you do have that healthy respect and admiration for the work, for his work at the football club. So, uh, yeah, I made a decision to go back in pre-season and to work hard that season and try and force my way back into the reckoning. And unfortunately, at the time, again, George lost his job, which was, I think we were we lost Grimsby away and then there was talk that, that was it. And then ultimately he left. And that was a very sad day for everyone who's had a connection with him. And uh, it was a sad day for the football club. But uh, the club, the board felt they needed to make a change. And in came someone who I have the utmost respect for too, and Joe Royal, you know, fantastic manager, man manager, wonderful, a wonderful football person, great knowledge. And to hand it over to Joe was such an astute move, I think, by the football club because it, it needed safe hands and guidance and it needed that experience. Yeah, yeah. What what you know, what a career he had as a as a player, then also a manager and you know, coming in and um at a time of course when we had to, you know, sell a lot of the big players. Of course, Matty Holland left that that summer. Although we had players coming through like Darren Bent and Co, which was great to see Darren Ambrose and stuff like that. But um, I want to quickly bring up this picture of you scoring a free kick in uh, the last game of that season at Derby. There you are, scoring yeah. the four-one win. I think that was Matt, Matt Holland's last game for the club. Um, what sort, sort of memories that one? Yeah, I remember it. I, I, Willie Willie used to talk about set pieces and really focus on set pieces. I was I was just in love with them in terms of like dedicated to them. I remember young Shane Supple, Lewis Price, he used to get them in in the mornings and practice. I was a big believer in practice, practice, practice. And uh, yeah, and it just it was one of those feelings where the moment it leaves your foot, you know it's going into the goal. But you know, you're right about, again, another example of young players coming through the football club. Uh, D&D uh, came in, and I won't say dumb and dumber, but I'll say, you know, the the, the to, to think now that these two lads are actually on talk sport talking football is beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I remember even having trying to have football conversations with these two on the coach, and no, it just didn't exist. So for them to be hosting shows and talking about football, I find it unbelievably hard to believe. But, you know, they've carved out a wonderful niche uh, for themselves, and, and good luck to them. They brought an unbelievable level of excitement, excitement to the club. They were outstanding players, two unbelievable players. And they refreshed my batteries, I have to be honest. They recharged my battery story. And I loved the experience of playing with both of them. So, uh, and I know we came very close under Joe, uh, but largely down to, you know, bringing young blood into the club as well, which was always the matter of this football club to try and grow their own and, and progress into the first team. So that was great. Yeah, definitely. And of course, under Joe, as I mentioned earlier in our chat, was the, the entertainers, you know, <laughs> a lot of goals were scored. I still remember the game against Crew 6-4, then some of big score lines and stuff like that. Um, I'm going to quickly get a nice picture of you celebrating. Of course, you became captain during that first uh, playoff campaign, didn't you? And uh, a nice picture of you. This is one of your goals. I think it's away at Watford. And um, there you are celebrating. Uh, can you remember that? And that, that season, you know, we got to the playoffs. Obviously, we lost against West Ham. 
Um, but that season felt like Joe sort of got his team together. Of course, you had the big, the big Finn, Shefty Cucci up top as well with Darren Bent. Yeah. Well, that goal, that was Shefty's first game yeah. uh, Oxford, and I managed, to, I managed to get an assist that day. I remember the goal so plainly. I was going to kill the Spaniard. Pablo should have uh, passed it to me earlier, but of course, Pablo being Pablo, he didn't. And the ball uh, kind of sat lovely. I had a little look. Alec Chamberlain to this day believes that he, I didn't mean it, but uh, I tried to appease him and say, yeah, no, I didn't. But certainly it was, I seen him off his line and I went, right, here we go. And again, it just managed to creep in. But yeah, and God bless him. Like the, uh, Chris Bart Williams was in the background of there too, who's sadly no longer with us. But yeah, it was another frustrating season where, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. And then getting into the playoff against a really strong West Ham was always going to be difficult. It was always going to be a difficult game. But, you know, we were banging it right up to, you know, the final minutes of games. And unfortunately, just couldn't get over the line. Yeah, definitely. And how was that to captain the club as well, you know, that season? Um, because, yeah, Matt, Matt's just left. And now you're one, of course, the, the senior pros. Um, good old Jim, got another picture of you. This is the in the orange kit. This is one of my favourite kits, by the way. I've told this to so many of our listeners. Um, the Power Gen kit, there you are once again. Um, probably not happy with someone not passing the ball to you, probably. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 you'll see many pictures like that. No, listen, it was a terrific honour. Of course it is. You know, being a captain of a football club gives you, obviously, a responsibility. And it's not something that gets handed over too easily. So when Joe handed the armband over to me and followed in such prestigious footsteps, someone who I had the utmost respect for and has regard for and Matty. You know, I took it very, very seriously, you know, and I loved that added responsibility. And it to me, it didn't really bother me if I played badly or not, which happened obviously quite often. Uh, but I just took I took it on board. I loved the fact that, you know, there was a buffer between the changing room and Joe and someone with my experience, Joe knew he could come to me and obviously I could go to him if things needed sorted out. But certainly the change room, I always believe the change room's for the players and the manager is there to support that and facilitate that. And players run changing rooms and, you know, and, and handing responsibility over to the players was something that I tried to do as well. So, uh, yeah, it was a great honour, one that I look back on with great pleasure, yeah. Yeah, and of course... You know, missing out again in the playoffs the following year. Um, it's just typical town, you know, having to go through playoffs and losing, you know, back to back. And of course, West Ham, the team had to be them again. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, not it's heartbreaking all the time in the playoffs. Yeah, it was because I think that Christmas we were, I think, was it Wigan or whoever it was, we were toe to toe, knack to knack. We got it. We got then a little bit of breathing space and then. Yeah, just deep regret of blowing it for whatever reason. We couldn't just get over the line. We just managed to falter in the last hurdle, if you like. And uh, and again, we knew that our difficult was going to go West Ham with so many top top players and one off games. You know that they had the capabilities of winning uh, those games as as did we. But momentum, it was all about momentum. And unfortunately, again, we just. That was it. You know, we, we just, again, failed to, the, to deliver. It was a huge disappointment. I remember being completely devastated after it and feeling just devoid of any real emotion then. You know, we just felt that it was a, 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 an opportunity that 
went missing again. Yeah, and obviously um, at the end of that season um, was Joe's last. Um, of course, you know, one more season where it was a bit of a mixed bag. Unfortunately, we didn't finish probably where we wanted to finish. Um, and that, of course, was your, your final season as well. Yeah. Um, did you did you have a feeling in the back of your mind that could be your final season? Yeah, it did. I did. There was a there was a resignation that my time was up. There was no question about that. But you know, Joe done it with such grace and uh, and did it with the knowledge that obviously it has happened to him and his past, as it does to all players at some stage. I just felt that I'd given everything I possibly could. Uh, there was nothing really left in the tank for me. Nothing really more for for me to to give in terms of myself and um and it was just a time where you know I, I recognized that it wasn't going to happen under me as a player and that was I, you know I I have always been riddled with a, a certain amount of guilt and regret over that but you know there was no question I could look myself in the mirror and say I did everything I possibly could but no it was it was time it was time to go it was time to for a change uh you know we'd made uh, moves to go back to uh, Liverpool, and and that was it. Basically, you know, there was there was an opportunity earlier on the season for me to maybe go to Oxford United as a player manager, player coach, and it just didn't feel right. I wanted to see the season out at Ipswich, and and I did, and and that was it. Basically, you know, so that was the end of my playing career at Ipswich Town, and what a journey it was! It was such an emotional roller coaster. I had so many unbelievable memories, tainted with some very sad memories. But all in all, my relationship with the people there, the supporters, all the staff, all the players, was just magnificent. You know, I it was the happiest I'd ever been in football. It was the proudest I'd ever been in football, and it's the best. Without being disrespectful to any other clubs, it was the best club I'd ever been involved in, and and I loved every second of it. Yeah, and um, of course, your final game, your nice suit and booted. I've got a nice picture of you with your, your boys. You mentioned them earlier uh, on the pitch. There you are, getting the um, guard of honour by all the town players. The final game of the season at Derby. What's your memories of that? And I'm sure, yeah, your boys are now there, fully grown men. They are 27, 26. They're over next week. God help me. They love Belfast, so they're over to cause havoc. Uh, but yeah, just proud, really proud, very thankful. To the players for doing that very thankful for the crowd for staying behind and giving me the ovation they did i always had a wonderful relationship with the supporters at the football club they knew what they were getting they also knew what they would be getting back and i loved the banter i always loved the crack i always loved you know the one-to-one -one stuff as well but very much part of the whole community ethos supporting the community doing it whatever we could to help the community. And it's a very special place with a very special club. So that's kind of where the memories we we always, you know, go back to. And and anytime we ever have, we we think about it, we always back to that and revert back to the, the good, the real good. Yeah, definitely. And um, obviously, uh, you start the club though, Jim. You stay. Um Let's, let's take you back to that moment. Um, obviously, Joe goes. And yeah. then, of course, there's a process of being a new manager to get interviewed and stuff. You know, let's take you back to that moment. Yeah, it was surreal. You know, I had an opportunity. 
and I, went, I had an opportunity to actually go and speak to the chairman and the chief exec, Derek Bowden, at the time. And, and it wasn't that I wanted to be taken seriously for the job. I wanted to be serious, taken seriously during an interview process because whilst we're always being interviewed as players, I'd never been interviewed. I'd never done a job interview as such. So I asked politely, would they go through it with me? And they did. And there was a hilarious story, but I won't bore you with it too much about the first interview. Uh, but the second and third and fourth interviews were done just out of, you know, uh, practice for me to go and speak to prospective clubs. And obviously in the background were the noises around potential new managers, managers turning the job down, obviously interviews. And I managed to obviously get myself into the interview process uh, with a, a plan for the club, how I seen the club moving forward. And to be good and to be truthful, I never expected it to go all the way. But you know, again, I have to credit uh, David and uh, Derek for and the board for listening to me, for believing in me, and then ultimately giving me the job. My youngest boy and I were out on the beach in Benal Medina kicking the ball as per usual, and I got a phone call from the chairman. And he said to me, where are you? I told him where I was. He said, are you sitting down? I went, are you joking? I'm kicking the ball with my, my boy. And he came away, typical you, with the football. I said, well. And he just said, listen, you're the new manager of Ipswich Town. And at that moment, the world stopped. It stopped. And I couldn't believe it. I think it just collapsed onto the sand and was shaken with disbelief but joy and happiness and thankful chairman could, couldn't wait to get me off the phone i wanted to hug him kiss him thank him and ultimately you know that was it that was the next step in my career next stage and i loved it that moment will stay with me for the rest of my days and you know delighted absolutely delighted very proud privileged to be given the job yeah, let's um, show you a picture of you holding the scarf up as manager in the suit at Portman Road. Take you back to that day when it got all, you know, unveiled. As Jim was here on the new Richard Town manager, you know, a, a town icon. So now a manager, you know, George Burley did it. He did really well. Of course, you come in. Take you back to that moment. Yeah, just magical. You know, it's the press conference was hilarious because the chair wouldn't go up. It went up and down. I... You know, I looked like Ronnie Corbett on it. And, uh, yeah, just the realisation, I think, when you close the door of the manager's office and you think of the people that have sat there and you think of legends of the game, you know, football and icons that have actually managed the football club and the realisation is that Jimmy Jones, the next manager, you know, it was a very proud moment for me, my family. Everybody connected with me and supported me. And there's so much that goes on in a, in a person's football life and personal life that, you know, you don't see or you don't consider. So to have that responsibility was huge. Uh, and knowing that there was a massive job ahead, but knowing I had the support, there was, you know, that was important. There was a massive support and a massive rally of support for me. So that was a very encouraging too. Definitely. And uh, just got another picture for the press conference, actually. Uh, you got David there, just out of focus. And of course, you got good old BK, Brian Klug, who is um, still at the club right now, um, does a great job, obviously. Um, what was your relationship with him? You know, obviously, you're number two at the time. 
Yeah, the 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 reason behind Brian, I had this. He was a wonderful coach, wonderful development coach as well, and developed such a wonderful understanding of young players and what it took to get young players across the line. Because ultimately, an academy's main job is to provide a conveyor belt for the first team. So he, he had done that so so well, and there. So at some football clubs, there can be a discord, but a discord between the, the academy and the first team. We wanted to build a passage to the first team through the academy, obviously, but having a more uh, clearer lines of communication, support systems in place for everybody. So that was the thought behind it. And we had a lot of good players at the club at the time. Obviously, they'd won the Youth Cup, which was very important. We had a lot of good young players who we felt we could develop. And because they'd had a real connection with Brian, we thought it was the obvious choice to bring Brian on board. And he did a wonderful job and continues to do a wonderful job at that at the football club. So yeah, that was the reasoning and and away we went. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, because yeah, I think yeah, that was the the play the second playoff season. We won the youth cup at the end of that season. Obviously, that was a, an amazing achievement for the football club. And of course, at that point, you know, players then got chucked into the first team, like players like Owen Garvin, which uh, was one of my favourite players growing up as well, because he, he was similar to you in a way, um, maybe not as aggressive, but um, he just wanted the ball, didn't he? Yeah, wonderful player again, fantastic ability on the ball, uh, wonderful vision. He had this stride you know he, he he could look so graceful at times as well and he looked a little bit crazy legs crane at times but he had this wonderful he could control the tempo of the game and through his passing and that was something obviously i could identify with in terms of you know we were very similar in that degree but he was he was a, a, a strong character even as a boy and you know, we wanted to build things around him. We knew that if we could get people in the team, he could see passes and create opportunities for them. So, yeah, he was one of the reasons why, you know, we felt we, we were going to develop into a strong squad. Yeah, he was certainly one of the reasons behind that. And how was that being um, part of transfers, you know, coming a manager? You know, of course, you, you probably did that as a player, you know, when you signed for different clubs. But, you know, knowing you're, you're going to have to sign your own players to improve his squad, obviously, you brought in different players. Um, yeah. I think you brought in Mark Noble on loan, which, of course, Mark, of course, legendary at West Ham. He came here on loan. Don't know why I decided to name check him, but he's just one that, you know, at the time, you know, we didn't have that much money. So we had to bring in frees and loans. Yeah, I think it was just dealing with fantastic managers, Harry Redknapps and people like that. Um, there were other, like Sir Alex was brilliant. Uh, obviously, I had Charlie Woods there, who knew, whose little black book was contained with every name of manager, coach, and whoever you needed to contact, Charlie was there on hand to help. He was a fantastic source of knowledge for me and and uh, and so reliable in lots of ways. So the managers I knew were fantastic with me. I knew that Mark Noble needed games. I knew Mark Noble was someone that we could probably attract to the club because there were similar styles and similar thoughts about how the game want, they wanted to be played. So I knew once I got Mark Noble in, you know, I was delighted because the Mark Noble as the boy is the Mark Noble you see as the man. You know, he's a fantastic character, is infatuated with the game, obsessed with the game, obsessed with getting better, wanted to do well at Ipswich, really took the game on, really took on board being on loan and was a fantastic asset to the club. Brilliant, loved working with him. 
and to this day, you know, he takes a lot of young players from Northern Ireland and, you know, and I'm sure he'll go on to have another fantastic career in the game as, I think, technical director now at West Ham. But a great lad, brilliant lad. Yeah, indeed. And uh, obviously that season, you know, probably not the finish we wanted, but then of course you're still working, you know, on this this team, you know, transitional period with you as a boss, you know, bringing in different players. Um, obviously that season, we uh, we beat Norwich though. So um, in your first game in charge against them, a 3-1 win. Danny Haynes, the Canary Crusher, scoring a, a brace that day. What What's your memories of being a manager in the derby for the first time? You know, you played them as, as a player, but as a manager on that touchline. Loved it. Absolutely loved the big occasion. Embraced it. Funny story about Danny Haynes that day. Danny Haynes was... Uh, Danny. Well, Danny Haynes thought he was going to be injured that day. So, uh, Matty Bayard was the physio. I lived around the corner. Uh, he told me that Matty, uh, that uh, Danny was on the treatment table uh, at the training ground and wanted to have a word with me. I went, oh, lovely. Very good. I'd be there in five minutes. So we convinced Danny there was actually nothing wrong with him. We also convinced Danny that he'd have a huge part to play in the game and to get his backside off that treatment table and make his way down to Portman Road pretty quickly. So Danny didn't start the game and then came on and made a massive contribution to the game and loved it. Danny was another shy, retiring young man who didn't enjoy the adulation of the crowd. Not... Uh, so yeah, no, it was a great day, great victory, and uh, and thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. We're going to get into you know your last game and you know be, being the last manager to to you know beat them up the road. Of course, we're going to be playing them very shortly. Um, but yeah, that that season, how do you look back at that? You know, just your first season as a a manager of a football club. Incredible, just incredible learning curve. It was. You know, it was everything and more I thought it would be. I kept looking the, I kept looking under the desk for Joe and George's book of rules and regulations, and you never find it because you have to stamp your own personality and character on the club. So it was a, it was a steep learning curve. I have to say, uh, every day was a, a you know, a school day for me. There was great learnings from dealing with the players, how you dealt with the players, uh, how you dealt with the staff, managing that. Managing my time was huge, you know, and I look back, it was 24-7, seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And at times, delegation uh, really didn't happen. So it was part of the learning curve to be able to delegate, to be able to trust your staff to do and deliver the jobs that you're actually paying them to do. So that was a, a so the summer couldn't come quick enough for me to then digest that, review it, and then come back recharge the batteries and looking at the squad and trying to develop the squad then even further. Yeah, and so I've got a picture of you reuniting with a, a teammate and uh, a fan's favourite. Let's bring him up. Pablo Calago. Yeah. Um, you know, he signed that summer. Um, of course, Pablo is, uh, you know, loved by town fans. And uh, what was that like getting that, you know, a former teammate coming back to the club? Yeah, wonderful. Listen, I, he was one of my favourite players to play with. and But more importantly, I thought he could influence games at championship level, especially. I thought he was he could be a difference maker. Once you got Pablo switched on and Pablo needed loving, you know, he, he definitely did. But when you trusted Pablo and Pablo trusted you, you knew you were going to get performances out of him. 
Uh, I had great faith in him, which is the reason why I brought him back. Uh, I had great faith in his ability. You know, he had this wonderful ability to make things happen. And again, at the level we were playing at, I just thought he could be a difference maker, hence the reason I brought him back. Yeah, and uh, that season, I thought, you know, we were going to do it. You know, going to get into the playoffs. We missed out by a point, which is just madness. Um, How do you look back at that? Anything, any regrets from that season? Yeah, was that the season we won all the home games and couldn't win away from home? Or was that yeah, the season that? No, I think yeah. that was that season, yeah. yeah. And, and what was, again, part of the learning curve was players and characters and personalities. You know, I remember we were winning games. I think we beat Bristol City six. And then we went away and lost 1-0 or 2-0 somewhere. And it was the same group of players. So understanding the mentality, had we picked up three away wins, we'd have cantered into the playoffs. And... We didn't. So again, part of the learning curve was understanding people, players' personalities and how we couldn't get or make a difference away from home. So that said something about our character, which again, I was trying probably to overthink and dissect and probably too much in hindsight. So uh, again, it was a, a, a season uh, that offered too much and ultimately we failed to deliver. So a lot of that summer was reflection a lot of that summer was what can I do better as a as a manager, and again it was all part of this process you go through as a manager to make yourself better. Yeah, and uh, that season as, as well, you're still unbeaten against Norwich um, as a manager. I think we we got a draw at their place, and then at home at Port Road at the end of the season, Danny again scoring a goal. They score an own goal as well. Um, so yeah, you've got a pretty good record. I'm, I'm going to bring it up actually as we're talking about it. Uh, as manager, three wins, two draws, and only one defeat as a manager. As a player, two wins, two draws, and four defeats. But uh, yeah, that's not a bad little record to look back on. Yeah, something obviously to be proud of. But um, yeah, the, those games, you know, those games I I thrive on. I try to players. The player record isn't particularly good, even though we were so much more successful than they were. So that kind of way, I that 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 uh, evens that out. But yeah, as a manager, when you go on and you don't want to lose because you know how important it is. You know, you know, uh, local bragging rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all that plays on a manager's mind. As a as a player, you're just brutally selfish. You know, you're just looking after yourself, which is quite right. You're looking after you, making sure you're ready for the game, mentally, physically, uh, tactically. As a manager, you're dealing with all the different personalities in the in the dressing room, and then you're dealing with your staff and making sure everybody is switched on and ready for the game. So different, but enjoyable, uh, exciting, uh, inspiring at times. There wasn't a great deal of motivation needed for them games. So my job was quite easy. Uh, used to pick out little bits and pieces, maybe players, opposition players might say, or the opposition manager might say, then you didn't need an awful lot of motivation in them games. So yeah, I enjoyed the encounters and, Listen, this this one's going to be massive. You know, Karen will certainly be ready for it, and uh, and I'm sure he'll be looking forward to it. Definitely, yeah. Bring it on. Um, then we're going to segue onto a moment now where, of course, Marcus Evans comes in. He, he of course, buys the football club um, at a time. Obviously, you know, he put in a bit of money. You know, you guys were able to sign some players. You know, you were able to spend a little bit of money. Maybe not as much as your um, next manager, of course, the next one who came in, but. Um, what was that your reaction when the club got bought? And of course, at the time, probably saving the club in terms of you know, um, you know, with debts and everything. Yeah, 
absolutely. Like, you know, you have to remember that Marcus came in and did that. So he deserves immense credit for that. And he also helped, you know, support me in terms of trying to bring in top players into the football club to make the difference. Marcus was, you know, so strong on getting promoted. That's why he bought the club. And quite rightly too, you know, everything was geared up to premiership football. You know, you looked at the stadium, you looked at the training ground. What we had to do was try and bring better players into the football club in order to get across the line. So he made no bones about that. My objectives were very clear. You know, it was promotion or bust. And uh, and as a very successful businessman, that's what he wanted to do. That's what he achieved in his personal life. And as a owner of a football club, that's what he wanted. And, you know, he was going to get someone to, to, to deliver it. He handed the keys over to me initially and it didn't work and then he obviously made the changes yeah um let's let's take you back to that game so norwich again we mentioned them sorry sorry town fans we mentioned norwich a few times but it's because we're beating them and um obviously this was your, your last game in charge um of course the last time we beat them as well so it's since 2009 uh, hopefully you listen to this. so you're listening to this in january february time we've, we're beating them at port and road happy days in, in the championship but um yeah take you back to that day you know Winning the game, Giovanni dos Santos, you know, playing yeah. what a player he was. Um, yeah. yeah, take you back to that those 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 final sort of days. Yeah, I remember getting Gianni in. Rigio was some player, like fantastic player. I managed the hoodwink. I think Harry was the manager of Tottenham again, and uh, I managed the kid, the living daylights out of him, and kid, the living daylights out of Gio. And he loved it. He embraced it, and he wanted to play. And he was the star of the show, and we loved him. And you know, I love dealing and working with top, top players and he was certainly one of them. So the whole day, obviously, it didn't get off to the best of starts. Listen, there was a lot of build-up. Listen, there's no denying there was a lot of build-up. There was a lot of pressure. You know, there was all sorts of uh, reaction, calling for my head, demonstrations, one man, the dog, turning up to get me out of the football club. And, yeah, so I knew there was a lot of pressure going into the, into the game. And I knew there would be serious conversations in the summer uh, over my position as such. So the only focus was winning. And and in the manner, we obviously didn't get off to a great start. But in between their goals, we battered them. You know, we did. And we missed so many chances. And Sylvan scored. And then Quinny scored. And then Joe scored a penalty, I think. And yeah, so it was a, it was a great victory. Uh, a wonderful, a wonderful, you know, victory for us because again, it was dominant in my opinion, and we deserved to win the game. And Brian Dunn, I think, was the manager of Norwich at the time, was very complimentary. And and little did we know that what was going to transpire in twenty fourth, forty, uh, forty eight, seventy two hours later, you know. So ultimately, it was my last game in charge. My last, the last time I actually stood. On the dugout, actually inside Portman Road until last year, which was what fourteen years ago. So, if you'd have told me then fourteen years would have passed before I actually stepped foot back in the football club, I wouldn't. Have, I honestly would not have believed believed you. And a lot has happened, of course, since then. You know, we've been in League One since then, and I think we've had one, two, three. I think we had three pools managers. <laughs> managers called Paul as well since then. So, a lot has changed. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, how, how did that then, you know, I'm sure it's reported out there and stuff like that, but how did that conversation happen with Marcus when, when he told you you're going? Yeah, listen, I had a great relationship with him and uh, ultimately, 
you know, he was the owner. Uh, I had a phone call on the Monday. We were going to watch the reserves. I think the reserves were playing in Barry St. Edmonds or somewhere like that. And Steve Foley and John Gorman were in the car. I got a really distraught phone call from my dad saying, yeah, listen, you need to get home. Mom, your mom's not well. Uh, in fact, she's critical. You need to get home. I spoke to the two guys. They said, get your, you know, get home as quickly as you can. Obviously, that night, there was the supporters do. And it was the, you know, the end of season do. And I tried to get hold of uh, Sammy Clegg, Terry Baxter. They weren't taking my calls. Uh, I kind of like jumped with nothing other than, you know, the clothes on my back to get to get home. Uh, and I still tried to get hold of these guys. So uh got home. Mom was in intensive care in the hospital. Uh, next day, I had a phone call from Marcus saying that uh, could he speak to me on Wednesday morning? Uh, he needed to talk to me at ten o'clock in the in the in the Wednesday. And I said, "Yeah, of course you can." And he went, "Okay, basically, thank you." And I said, "And by the way, Marcus, my mom's okay." You know. Uh, oh yes, Jim. Sorry, how's your mom? And kind of that was the end of the conversation. And I kind of, you know, my dad and I were talking about things. And listen, the only thought in our mind was obviously my mom's welfare. That, that bottom line, that's the only thing that really matters now. But I did say to my dad, I think that's it. That's it over. And he said, "Don't be daft and whatever else." So yeah. So next morning, ten o'clock, phone call. Marcus on the dot. Jim, listen, uh, thank you for the contribution to the fo football club, not only in my time, but in, you know, in generally in your, your time at the club. But I'm making a change. I want to go a different route, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so anyway, that's a real conversation, knowing, you know, that's it over. And it anyway lasted about a minute. And and that was it. So 10 years, coming up 10 years of the football club, that was basically it. Done. Lasted about a minute, two minutes. And phone down, and my career at the club was over. And then, unbelievably, I got a phone call from Terry Baxter, who couldn't be found. And then they were going to make uh, announcements. Obviously, they'd spoken to the next manager. He was going to be unveiled. They wanted me to settle everything there and then. My mom's like, in intensive care, no, I'll do this on my own time. Do whatever you say, whatever you have to say, do whatever you have to do. But listen, my thoughts are elsewhere. So good luck to you and see you later. And that was it. And that was the last time I spoke to anybody from the club. And it was over. Mm -hmm. So, and thankfully, my mom did make a recovery uh, from that and managed to get, she passed away later on in that year, or the, 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 the January, maybe the next year. But yeah, so that was it. Done. And yeah, it was it was a poor end because listen, obviously, it's always a difficult situation uh, when you're you're going to have to sack someone. So uh, it could have been done better. There's no question about that. It, could, it definitely could have been done. It could have definitely been done with a little bit more grace. But if you've lined someone else up and the timeline suits you and suits the club, then obviously they had to go with it. Could it have? In hindsight, could they have done better? Yeah, I think the club could have represented themselves in a more courteous professional manager have always handled these situations. So yeah, I was disappointed, but sh sheer relief. Mum was okay. And listen, I had 
an unbelievable time at the football club. As I say, great honour, great privilege to both play and man and captain. Do the three things that probably every boy growing up would want to have done, you know, to play, to captain, to manage a football club. It's huge. So I'm very proud of those achievements and very proud of my relationship with the players and with all the staff that had been lucky enough to be around. So, uh, you know, no regrets, uh, just sheer joy and happiness and great memories. Yeah. And of course, you know, football is brutal. It's a br- brutal game, but got to be a little bit of courtesy, you know, just as a, you know, you've been there for so long. And yep. yeah, just hearing that is just, I just makes me go, oh, go on, just go. It makes me angry. Yep. makes me angry, Jim. It makes me angry. And I'm sure listeners are going to be angry hearing that. But of course now, Water Road Bridge and all that, you know, it's been a long time since you left. Um, yep. Did it take a while for you to like, taking the interest in what was going on at Itchwich Town? Did you sort of like go, don't care, don't care about them at the moment? And you just, yeah. Uh, I always cared, always looked out for results. Uh, but it, it's just part of part of the CV. I remember during COVID and podcasts became the norm. And I was doing a few podcasts and people were bringing up, like you also brought up stats and brought up things, brought up wonderful pictures that I hadn't seen before. And podcasts just kind of way, oh, did I did I play that many games? Did I I tend not to I think, you know, when I'm done, completely done, I'm fifty-four now and loving life, being on the pitch again. When I'm done and and then I get an opportunity to look back, I'll look back. Right. And that's that's just part of football. It's part of football, my football journey. The next stage of my football journey is Cliftonville. I I'm loving every second of it. I look back with great memories, great fondness. I have an unbelievable love for Ipswich Town because it gave me a platform to go and play when I needed it most. It also gave me my a platform to go and manage the first club. So when people say, who, who was the first club you managed in? Oh, Ipswich Town. Oh, in the championship? Yeah, yeah. That Ipswich Town, Sir Bobby Robson, uh, Sir Alf Ramsey, George Burley, uh, John Lyle, uh, Joe Royal. Yeah, that's yeah. I manage that club, so that nobody can ever take that away from me. So I, I've got that on my CV, and it's there with huge satisfaction and huge pride. Yeah, of course. Um, you got inducted into the Hall of Fame, Jim. I'm sure that must have been another, you know, moment where you felt, wow, you know, this club does love me. And um, what was that like being back at Portland Road? As you mentioned, you know, 14 years of not being stepping foot in Portland Road, probably stepping foot in Ipswich as well. Yeah, it was surreal. So I met I met a couple of lads that we stayed remained friends. Wayne Coughlin, former kit man, uh, Tony McGoldie, former you know great friend of mine, and we met for a couple of beers before we went up. And it was like stepping back in time. Nothing changed with us because of the the camaraderie and the friendship that we shared. Walking into the stadium was I was so excited. I have to be honest, so so excited. It it was always my field of dreams anyway. I loved it. I used to torture our groundsmen. Uh, Alan and uh, loved it just being around. I used to sit there on my own, watch the world go by, and to be there then, knowing that the club were going to honour me was again huge pride. And seeing all the old faces, seeing so many great, great players. Obviously, Maddie had a huge influence in that too, and and then and Terry, the butcher, the compert. So it was great crack. I just loved it back in the with people that I that I knew and felt very comfortable with. And, and obviously being inducted with Marcus, who had huge respect for and huge love for and thoughts are with him every day, hoping, praying for him. So 
yeah, to be alongside those great, great players was fantastic. Great, great night, great celebration. Definitely. And um, is that, you know, currently out at Cliftonville now, is it the current players that do you talk to them about your, your playing days and being manager at Town? No, no, definitely not. I, I can't even demonstrate anymore, even though when I do join in, I'm still the best player. So that, I, don't want to, I don't want to embarrass them any longer. But all joking aside, no. Listen, I as I say, that's a past life. This is about now. This is about them. Working with them. They're a fantastic bunch of players. I'm loving every second with it. I can't wait to get out tonight. I'm out tonight with them again. Since we've come in, Jared Little and I, Ricky, uh, McCann, they've just been brilliant. And they've shown you know, fantastic character and fantastic resilience. You know, We're sitting third in the league. Big game in Saturday against Glen Torn. So I'm loving it. I'm loving being back in in the in the you know in the mix and love being in that. You know, three o'clock Saturdays is huge and it's a massive adrenaline rush, uh, as we all know. But as a supporter and as a but as a manager, you know, there's that great responsibility, and I'm loving every second. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, two final things, then, Jim, before we wrap up. It's been fantastic catching up, and uh, I want to quickly mention Kieran. We mentioned him earlier in the podcast, obviously, but. You know, he's doing such a great job here. And um, did he speak to you at all when he had the interest of Ipswich Town, you know, going on his door? No, no, definitely not. No, uh, I'd worked with Kieran with the 21s and he came in and he completely blew my mind. Completely. From day one, from the moment you spoke to him. He is possibly the best coach I'd ever worked with. And we'd, I'd worked with so many brilliant coaches. But Kieran is obsessed with the game and obsessed with transference of knowledge to players and simplicity and making things as easy as possible while it's challenging as well. And right away, I told Michael O'Neill to get him on board. Right away, you know, he'd worked with the Northern Ireland 21s. I went, he's on a different level. I think Michael did speak to him and they couldn't come to an arrangement. Uh no, I just have great respect for Kieran. Unbelievable belief that he is the real deal. He is the real deal in so many, many ways. Uh, again, as in terms of matches, you know, Kieran McKenna and Ipswich Town for me was a perfect. Once I heard Kieran got the job, I thought, "Wow, good, really good. They've got something here. They've got someone here. He will enjoy the pressure. He will enjoy it. He'll take it on board." He's worked at big clubs. He obviously had his time at Manchester United. Uh, and there were great managers who showed great faith in Kieran, which tells you all, all you need to know about him too. So I think Kieran's on this journey and he, he's well, he's prepared to pick the club up on his back and carry it with him. The players have responded magnificently well. They've got momentum. They've got confidence. They've got trust. They're winning games of football. The championship is brutal. It's unrelenting. You have to be ready for every game. You know, top two, lose to the bottom two. You know, and in between that, you're, you're capable of losing games. But being prepared, being ready, being tactically ready, being tactically prepared, being physically and mentally ready for the challenges ahead, no better man. Yeah, and yeah, he's such, you know, he's just such an intelligent man as well, you know, just sitting in these press conferences and just... You know, I know town fans just love him. You know, Kieran McKenna at the wheel, that's the, that's the chart and everything like that. And, of course, the team is... It feels, as you mentioned, like the, that Premier League team, you know, when we finish fifth because everyone's just together. 
Um, have you been able to watch many games when you when you had time? Galloway's games, yeah. I was I was blown away last year. I think it was Shrewsbury, twenty eight there. Just magnificent. You know, it came it brought you back to our days. I'm sitting there with Manny, I'm sitting there with Simon Milton. Loving life, back in amongst it, wishing I could still play and sitting next to obviously Matty and having conversations around the whole football club. The admiration they have for Kieran is beyond belief. You know, and given that his C V, his managerial C V is such that he's he's a he's a baby in that terms. So what he has done to date is nothing short of exceptional. And listen, we hope that he continues on that journey. We do indeed. And um, sort of final one, Jim, really, Jim, is um, sort of message to the players um, ahead of the derby. Obviously, um, we've got you know a few town boys, uh, Harry Clark, Luke Wolferden, so they, they know how important this game is. And there's a few other players I know they know how important it is. Sam Morsey, the captain, he's very similar to you in terms of how he plays. And um, I worry if he, out of nowhere, does a bad tackle because he's just so heated up. Um, but yeah, message to the, to the players ahead of this game, how important it is. And definitely since, because we haven't won since you were in the dugout. Yeah. Control your emotions. Play with real focus and concentration. What happens is you can get caught up in the occasion. You can get caught up in the emotion of the supporters. But you have to really detract yourself from that. You have to really focus on your jobs, your roles and responsibilities. And believe, you know, trust, trust your instincts in games like that trust your beliefs uh play with freedom lots of these games you get stuck in too much pressure but you have to throw the shackles off and you have to be focused every second of every minute of the game but just play with confidence in the confidence that they've shown and if they do that i'm sure they'll come out on top there's no question that they've done that and proved that through the course of this season so my advice to them is, yes, control. Obviously, it's emotion, but control your emotions. Play with that focus and concentration. And, and again, trust the manager. Trust the manager. Trust his tactics and believe in yourself. Yeah, bring it on. It's going to be a big game. You know, sold out Porton Road. Bring it on. Uh, well, Jim, it's been a pleasure. Um, sort of final message to, to the listeners. Um, it's been great to catch up what we got to say to, to all the town fans out there who, who just loves magic, Jim and Jilton. Oh, no, listen, thank you for contacting me, Ross. It really, it's been a real pleasure. So, you know, hats off to you and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your time. But my connection with the club will never, ever end. It's as simple as that. I have a deep love for the football club, the supporters, everything it represents. It gave me and my family a lifetime of memories. Too many memories to go through. I know we shared one or two on this programme, but it's in my blood. It will remain in my blood. I'm hoping to get over shortly to see a game. Uh, I might do a little walk around and give everyone a wee clap. Uh, but no, listen, thank you. You know, I was brought in to help achieve a dream, a dream that we all reached. And I was part of an unbelievable squad of players who achieved that. So I thank them too. You know, it's, such a humbling experience to be a part of a great group of players and to achieve something you set out to do. So, um, no, my, my appreciation goes to everybody connected with the club and especially the supporters who took me on and really gave me great times. 
That's a great way to end it. But I want to say one more thing, though, Jim, actually. Um, behind you, if you've been watching a video I've been seeing, uh, of course, one of your former town shirts, I think that was your 300th game for the club. Of course, you made 315 appearances, 21 goals. Um, yeah, that's, I'm sure that's a shirt you, you look back on fondly up. I mean, yeah. that many appearances. People will think it's a stage. Ross, you do know that, don't you? So this is the office, and that is quite a place in the office. And every time I look at it, it gives me great joy. It sits along said another couple of sevens, Letizia seven and Raul seven from Spain. So they were my two of my all-time favourite players. Of course, I'm stuck in the middle of them with a bigger shirt for obvious reasons and a bigger frame for obvious reasons. But no, great joy. It's there. I see it every morning. I give it a little kiss every morning and love it. Love that, my friend. Well, Jim, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Pleasure. Thank you, Jim. Take care.